let's say you take a cabbage, right? Normally what people do, they just stir fry a cabbage and then uh, like the Indian, they stir fry with kunit and curry powder. The Chinese, they just braise with soya sauce. So actually when you do that, what you want to eat actually? You want to eat the soya sauce or the cabbage? Is, is the cabbage just a placeholder for something? You're listening to Foodie Canteen, a food podcast brought to you by Good Foodie Media. I'm your host, Castle Lim. Today on the show, we have Chef Frikri with us. He's the owner of Galangal Cafe, one of the few restaurants at Ipoh serving curated Southern European cuisine to a 25-seater space. He's here to tell us how you should not stir-fry just about everything. Well, stick around. Hi, Chef. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. It's so cool. If um, the listeners are watching on YouTube right now, we are actually doing this interview from the car. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Chef, for making your time on a Sunday morning as you are recording this for this week's episode. Um, let's just uh, start from Ipoh. That's where mm. you were raised in. Like, Tell us, how is Ipoh like, growing up for you? Uh, growing up in in Ipoh is like it's like kind of cool. It's like a laid back city, so everything is very slow paced, and you can just take your time around with everything. I mean, what are some of the most vivid memories you have of growing up in in this town? Oh, uh, um, back then, uh. Ipoh was like very busy town, but it's it's very laid back as well. So you see a lot of businesses getting conducted here, and then all the people are very close together. So it's kind of like a super friendly place, uh, but not as the upper uh, mining industry closed down, people start moving out. Yeah. So slowly becoming a more quieter city. Right. But it's like a very tight-knit community where people are just very warm uh, and yeah, we, friendly. We normally know each other well. Wow. So you cannot do bad things in town. <laughs> Everyone will uh, know. Yeah. Uh, I ask this question to all my guests, but what are some local foods our listeners must try if they ever visit Ipoh? Oh, oh there's plenty. There's... There's that famous nasi ganja. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. I think you made uh, which, the news last year when someone like picked up uh, a helicopter to go and tap out something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but for me, I would recommend the one behind the Masjid Negeri one. The, it's called Rahmat. Uh, to me, that one tastes better lah for nasi ganja. Lah. Okay. And then there's, there's a few other choices. There's me kicap. And then our mikari also is quite good. And then uh, if you go up a bit north away from Ipoh, you can get nice laksa there. Not not your typical Penang Asam laksa one. The one that we have is more um, briny and more fishy. But it tastes really good. They use the uh, to wheat flour, not the normal rice flour laksa. So you get a totally different texture. Lah. So there's, if you're willing to go like jalan-jalan around the kampung and all that, you get plenty of good food here. Mostly every food here tastes good. Lah. Well, mi kicap sounds good. I don't think I've ever tried mi kicap before. And when you were a child, like was becoming a chef your first choice? Uh, when I was a child, actually... I wanted to be like those, you know, those upper cool uh, people inside National Geography one, the one that documented the wild animals. So like the photographers, videographers, they just spend time in uh, the Ah, uh, yeah. So I wanted to be that kind of person now when I grow up. But the problem is during when when I was grow up uh, in the village, there's not a lot of channel. For you to learn what you want to do, like if you wanted 
to be something like that lah. And there's nobody there to actually guide you to be something like that. So like the basic stuff, doctor, nurse, uh, teachers, you can have that in school. But then all the other kind of ambition, there's not much way for you to pursue them. So um, I try to find a few, but then those times there's no internet, right? So you can't Google yourself. So I chose the next best thing. And was it your mother that inspired you? Because you talk about how uh, there's no example, but was that the next best thing that you saw someone close to you doing it and then you just started helping and that ignited the passion in you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to sit uh, near Raya time. Lah. My mom used to make a lot of those queer Raya one. Uh, then I used to sit in front of her watching and she would teach me or use this many, this one special cup that she have. Uh, you use this much, this much for this recipe. So there's, there's not a lot of, you know, inside kitchen, you have to weigh everything, right? When I watched my mother back then, she just used that special cup one. So she will tell you the flour will be this much and then the egg will be this much. It's all using that so one. What, what I still is remember it's like a, a rice yellow. Cup? Like uh-huh. the size of like the rice cup or like a bigger cup, like drinking cup? No, no. Uh, it's like the... It's like... You know the cup in mama shop? Yes. The plastic one? Uh-huh. Uh, it's like that one, the size. Okay, okay. Uh, it's, it's yellow greenish in color. Okay. Uh, so she always value that cup one uh-huh. so she need that to make everything one. so normally when I was a child I always watch her do kuih cooking so I learned from her lah much of the seasoning method the cooking method so I kept that in memory lah until I further on in study lah. and what did you go to school for? Uh, I I in after PMR I went to technical school studying electrical engineering and then my final year I was sitting there and thinking oh this actually harder than at maths like at maths you you have one question with two pages of answer right like in electrical engineering you have one question with 11 pages, 12 pages, just to answer one equation about electric electricity. Lah. So I, I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to do this. Lah. Too, too tiring to the brain. Man. <laughs> so so um, I, we, I started to look around for colleges and, and I, I don't know what I want to do that time. So I just take uh, this, what they call it, huh? Diploma in Computer Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what it is. So that one also I, I quit in my uh, my final semester one. And why is Cause that? Because uh, there's this one class. It's about words and Excel. I don't know why the lecturer keep flunking me. It, it's, it's got really bad to a point that that whole semester, I only have that one class. All other subjects, I graduated already. So to me, it's like, oh, screw it. I just quit. Uh, in the meantime, during during college, I was doing part-time. Uh, mostly in the kitchen. Uh. And that, oh, so part-time with the hotel or like a cafe? Uh, with hotel, restaurant. I see uh, where, where I can get jobs. Mm-hmm. Where, wherever need people, I will go. Uh. Right. So you did not graduate with a diploma and you got your first job out of college at Old Town. That's what I heard. Uh, uh, when, when I quit that, that college, I come back to Ipoh and then here last time there was a, a famous culinary school called Shuen College. So basically back then I thought, oh, if I wanted to work in a hotel, I would need a diploma. So I entered that college just for the certificate lah because most of the stuff I know already. So basically college was like 
just attendance gathering lah. Because they teach you basic stuff there. Most of the stuff I know already. So I would come to college and then just sit there, see what the lecturer have to offer, and then just graduated there lah. And after that, I started my first job at Old Town White Coffee. So prior to starting Galangau Cafe, you were working in a couple of hotels. Can you share with us that experience? Um, what did you learn? Oh, uh, when when I first started entering hotel, uh, I thought it was like you go in the kitchen and then straight away you just cut stuff and then start cooking. I got lucky lah. I get to enter at the bottom of the chain inside the hotel. So I I learned all this supply management, uh, checking of produce, organizing and ordering. So the first two years, I learned mostly that lah. Organizing staff, ordering, checking quality of staff, then dealing with suppliers. Uh, how you need to have a few backup for just one produce, just in case one supplier cannot deliver. So I learned a lot of technical stuff lah before joining inside the kitchen. And then uh, after that, a few years, you learn after I joined the kitchen lah. You start to learn about apa? working in teamwork. Like synchronizing your orders, like your starter sometimes have different components from different section. So you need really need to learn how to communicate with people well. So you would fire, let's say your starter require a small slice of steak. And you will fire, oh, I need that steak in three minutes. And the guy will reply, oh, I give you in maybe four or five. Then you have to learn to slow down your pace so you match with their time. So it's more about timing lah in hotel because the technique you already know. One. So it's more to teamwork, organizing, synchronizing. It's like, it's like playing football. You have to really know your teammates. You know where they want to pass the ball next. So it's quite interesting job lah. Can you tell us the story of how you met this exact chef that offered you your first promotion? Oh, uh, uh, basically, I was, uh, I, I think I was clearing the buffet. And then because my kitchen was in the basement, so we, we were in charge of putting fruits at the buffet at that time. It's not a big job. Lah. Our job mostly on receiving end. And this and, was at Mandu uh, Oriental Hotel, right? Uh, yeah, receiving end of produce and washing them, sanitizing, storing. So I was clearing the buffet. I was, uh, I finally caught the lift. It's like, the lift is like the worst thing in the hotel. You wait there like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So it really upper, destroy your time. Uh, you already plan what you want to do, right? And then I finally got the lift. I was pushing it out. I was singing, la, 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 like I always do when I'm pushing trolleys. It helps you with the mood, right? And then uh, suddenly the, we call it material management manager. He came in with, uh, with a big masali, a very big one. Uh, and he was introducing to everyone. And then they walked to me. Then he introduced, oh, this is the guy who helped with the receiving and checking of the produce. Then he introduced himself. Uh, I only know how to pronounce his first name. It's Marcus. Okay. And then the last name is like Talwit something. It's a German name, so a bit difficult. Then he asked me, uh, apa, how long have you been doing receiving? Then I said, uh, nearly two Two years, four months, two years, five months, like that. Uh, then say, you're not interested in cooking? And I say, oh, I'm interested. But then this is the thing that I get. So I'm quite happy with it. I just do my job well. And I say, oh, never mind. Uh, you, I'll send you to the coffee house next week. So you better be prepared. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. It's like, 
I've been looking forward to entering the coffee house. Then that's how I get promoted lah to upper uh, second commis back back when I was pushing trolley I was the third commis. So he promoted me to the second commis lah, and then the coffee house chef was not upper really pleased with it because back then when when the coffee house opened, ah uh, they had a lot of ah uh, Malay upper staff. And then he had a very bad experience with them. Not to say the Malay cannot work lah. He chose the wrong people, and most of them left. We call uh, there's a term inside hotel. We call it lari malam. So they were left on the day itself. They will run away on after finish work. They won't return one. So he had a very bad experience with that. So after the the German guy call him and say that. He's sending me up. Then he straight away come down to my kitchen and ask me, "What? Why? Why are you entering my place? Right? Say I I don't want you. You're not welcome there." Then I say to him, "Apa? You at least give me one week. I'll, I'll prove to you that I can help you with apa the kitchen, right?" Then took me basically three days to memorize the whole a la carte menu. Uh, now he's actually my best friend right now. With with that said, can we also talk about the stigma some like people or chefs in your case might have around Malay workers? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, with Malay workers, uh, I can say that maybe forty percent of them are not willing to work inside kitchen. Not much, lah. You really have to sift through the people. You really have to when you interview them. You have to ask question. What what? Uh, it's like unrelated question to the kitchen. So you ask them their hobbies, what they like to do during their free time. Then you can roughly work out what sort of lifestyle they live. Ah, uh, then you know, ah, uh, this guy is not suited in the kitchen. Yeah, he like cooking, but then he's not. Willing to commit to that kind of life, because uh, quite sad lah. Because as a Malay myself lah, it's sure negative impression about Malays. And I do know a lot of Malays that do well inside kitchen, and some become really big chef, upper internationally. So they they are contributing to a very upper bad reputation lah for the Malays. So my advice for people who want to interview Malay, you really have to interview them properly, ah, uh, because once once you get the wrong crowd inside, it's quite difficult to deal with them. I don't know why they have this kind of upper attitude toward working. And how do you navigate this misconception yourself? Uh, with me, it's quite easy. I I will let them do mistake one. I will let them do mistake. I will tell first lah. Apa if you do like this, I will tell. Let's say I'm I ask somebody to cut something, then I will tell them cut the proper way, and then I will tell them what common mistake that people will make. Then if they do that mistake, I will tell you. You see the result of what you did. So right now, you have cost me, let's say, three ringgit, six ringgit. I will tell them the figures. Now I will tell them I will not cut from your salary, but now you know this thing costs money. So next time when they work on a produce, they'll be a bit more responsible and a bit more seriously because they know that thing costs a lot of money to buy and get for them. So they get the experience to handle those kind of things, because frankly, when people do work inside kitchen, they don't value the ingredients because they in their head they think, oh, I work for a big corporation. If I screw this up, they can always buy a new one, because they don't know the 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 price of that thing. So I always tell them the price one. Some people call me bekira lah. 
I never cut their salary, so it's not berkira lah. <laughs> right, right. It just, it's just your way of training and building them up. That's okay. Yeah. And back to uh, you working in hotel, when did you know that it was time to come back to Ipoh? Uh, my, my, apa? my last hotel, I went in because of the chef. He promises we will do this kind of thing, that kind of thing. And, and this was it in KL? so promising. It was in KL. Ah, yeah, it was in KL. So, it was, apa, when I got there, it's like more like problem solving and fixing problem. Then it got to a point so bad that I, I sat there and think, what, what, what did I apa, go back late for? I I finish my job and then the rest of the hours I'm just spending fixing other people's job. So the team was not working, the menu was not working and then the management was so bad and I was thinking, ah, screw this lah. <laughs> I think I just better balik kampung je lah. Because, yeah, apa? Like me, uh, after I exited hotel, I went to restaurant. The restaurant was really great. You get to experiment things. You get to be creative. Lah. But for me to choose to come back to hotel is a big thing. Lah, because that chef promised me a lot of things. Lah. Not, not in terms of benefit from salary or all those things, but in terms of menus. Lah. He was going to do amazing thing lah. plus he was from a Michelin restaurant so I thought oh maybe I can learn how Michelin work and all that but apparently when he come back Malaysia also he's, he was like a broken guy so, what, what so do you mean broken guy like from the kitchen culture or uh, yeah from from kitchen standpoint lah, it's like he's not doing his 100% everything was tired tiring to him and then he the way he made menus also is like just put different thing together yeah I understand from his standpoint there's a budget constraint but you can always work around budget I do it all the time in my restaurant yeah you don't get to use like upper fresh upper to what's it called fresh upper to liver thingy Fogra. Ah, okay, uh, okay. Uh, he was he was bashful about. Oh, I have to use frozen fogra. Like, come on lah, it's Malaysia. Who who believe fogra here, right? Tade itu itik, tade sini punya. You make do with what you have. You change it into something better. That's what we do, uh, as a chef. You take what ingredient available to you, change it into something magical, ah. Uh. So you realized so, that um, this space wasn't aligned with your goals and you're like, you know what, gotta go, balik kampung. And, uh, yeah. and when you came back to Ipoh, did you, like, you know what, I'm going to start my own restaurant. Was that your first um, idea, plan? Oh, uh, no. No, actually. When, when I got back Ipoh, I was so sad at the, apa, at the way KL punya youngsters and then their, their chef and all that. It's like, not to say all lah, like most place that I go lah, it's like all like they have a nice facade but then at the back it's like totally fake one. So it's like, oh, what happened to the talent now? No. I wanted to join bigger restaurant but then at that time there's no opportunity. So when I got back, it's like, uh, maybe I should just quit all this. I was thinking of working at 7-Eleven doing night shift. It's like, oh, never mind. I just punch the POS and then arrange stock. That would be enough. Because at that point, I already finished paying my car. And then there was nothing else. So it's like, oh, I think I can live that free at like that time. So it's like, oh, I just enjoy working at 7-Eleven. I still get to hang out with friends. They get to do what I like to do. So that would be enough lah. So how did Galanggao come about? Uh, actually, it was my sister. They they keep upper encouraging me to try and open up a restaurant. 
So so we try lah. Our first version was just beside apa a road. We rented from this shop. He made a small corner on the roadside for us. Actually, it's not it's not his land to rent lah. But you know lah, people right. Uh, so we rented there. And we try lah the food there. Ah, uh, it was a mixed match. Some people like it. Some people don't because of the location and the pricing that we put. But then, to me, the pricing was fair because we don't use frozen things. We, like the chicken also, I buy whole chicken, we butchered ourselves. So, to me, the price is fair. But and to this was back customers, in 20, what, 18? Uh, I think 2019. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. Right. But, to me, like, it's a fair price like, because I was thinking, oh, I put all this effort uh, into the food and everything. And then apparently people don't get it. Some that get it, they appreciate it. Like, but the one that don't get it, they start to throw nasty comments and all that. So uh, at the end of 2019, like, the, the shop beside us, they say, oh, this is not working out and all that. So they they basically ran us out. Lah. So we started to look for a shop ourselves. Lah. Yeah, it's, it's a big move because I really don't have the confidence to, 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 how to say, lah. because of the rent and all that, right? It really scares you. <laughs> you, you think... Oh, can I make it? Can I get this money to pay these people, right? So it's quite scary thing uh, when you move into a shop lot because you have to get license for everything. You have to follow the regulation. So every day was like, oh, is it is the bandaraya going to come and check? Uh, is everything okay? <laughs> is everything up to spec? Uh, am I gonna get rent this month? <laughs> so it's quite scary thought lah when you start inside a shop lot. And how did you get over those like thoughts that's just so fearful and like doubtful? So, uh, when when we started to have regular customer, and then looking at the sales and like, oh, so this is what business people feels like. You can get your rent in one day and then you are appreciated by your regulars. It's like, oh, actually, there's no need to worry. The money will come. You just have to be patient and do your best. Saja. So that's what I've been doing uh, up until now. So I just give my best and just hope that people will come and appreciate the food. Uh, so no more worry a bit. Uh. But I still have that worry because, you know, business is sometimes up and down. But as uh, so the more you do it, the more confidence you gain. And when you see the people, their faces, the feedback, um, that's how you manage to pay your rent um, and your workers as well. Ah, uh, yeah. So basically, basically, I keep doing my best. My motivation is so I can pay my worker better. That's, that's my dream, huh? Can you kind of share with us what is Galangal's concept? Uh, when when I opened Galangal, I wanted to cook fresh things like what whatever I find in the market. Then I make it into something delicious that I can sell to people. That's the concept. It's basically what's what's available around Ipoh during that specific time, lah. If, if let's say there's a lot of corn this past four months, then we do corn-based dishes and all that. But what I found out uh, with the current uh, location I'm at, that's not possible. I can do like 20% of the menu, fresh ingredient, and then the rest have to stay fixed. Because the, the people in that location tends to eat what they know only. What so they're familiar not with. Okay. Uh-huh. Because like what, it's a residential area, there's not a lot of tourists, because it's Ipoh people. 
No, it's 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 a rather upper residential area, and people are not adventurous at trying new stuff. Or they ask when they come to the shop, like new customer lah. They will ask, "Oh, chicken chop tak ada ke?" Like there's two chicken dishes there, but they still remember the name chicken chop only. So they will look for chicken chop or fried rice. Okay. Uh, so it's a bit difficult lah uh, to change mindset of people, but slowly people learn lah uh, here. They learn, oh, actually there's other food than those things. Uh, you can enjoy nice things instead of just chicken chop and black pepper sauce. Right. I saw your Instagram. I you guys come up with a lot of amazing dishes. Can you walk us through your menu creation um behind the restaurant, your creativity, and how do you get inspired in creating a dish? Uh, so basically, in creating dishes, uh, the conventional way is for you to travel, lah. Uh, but with COVID and all this, so I tend to travel online. <laughs> nice. Uh, I I like to watch like those travel show on YouTube, lah. Now, cause I don't have Astro anymore, so I watch those travel show. The not the big channel one, the uh, independent YouTuber one. Ah, uh, so I watch those kind of food, those concept. Then sometimes it shows you different combination, uh, things that you never think about that can work, right? Then I would try at the cafe a small portion, and then we would test and see if it's okay. Then we try again and ask a few friends to try. So it's a a cooperative attempt, lah. You cooperate with people. You ask them, "Oh, is it okay? Does the flavor suits you?" Because need to remember when when creating dishes, we have to cater to the local taste. One, like some people they don't like it spicy. Some people don't like too much spice. Uh, some people like bland flavor. Some people can take bold flavor. So all those things is taken into consideration when making a dish. It's not just what you want. It's what your community wants. That's what I found out lah when creating dish. Because when I create dish that I want, normally people say the taste is too strong. But for me, it's okay. <laughs> but for them, it's like oh, the spice is so powerful. So you need to take consideration lah when doing things. And creativity in terms of plating, I will normally. Paint something on a piece of paper, paint with colors and all that, and see the the matching colors, the pattern, and then I will translate that into plates, lah. And then when I see the plate, it's what I want. But then I see from a worker point of view, I look at it and say, is my worker going to be able to do this? If let's say I'm busy cooking something else, so I will change the plating to more simpler stuff. So you still have what I want, but it will be a bit simpler so that it's accessible for the workers. They can, apa, do it themselves. If I'm not able to do it right there. So you also kind of categorize a Galangal Cafe as some sort of fusion cooking, um. Which do you think you can share with us more about this fusion cooking? Because I think some of us, when we think fusion cooking, it's usually not a very good impression. It's just like two things come together, um, without much thought. But I'm sure you have something better to say about this. Uh, because the fusion cooking comes from, you know, people tends to. Put everything into category. Galanggal don't have a category actually. So the next best thing is fusion lah. It's like campur dua benda lah, dua culture, anything like that. But actually, we we just use apa good product, good apa techniques and uh, very apa tu? How to say? Like fresh produce lah. Uh, so to to make it more approachable to people, we put uh, the fusion there, so that people know. Oh, it's not a uh, let's say people tends to think a uh, Western shop, uh, Chinese shop, Indian shop, right? Uh, Thailand shop. 
uh, they put category on everything. So we put fusion there so people know. Oh, situ fusion food. Uh, like that lah. But actually our food is not fusion lah. It's, it it doesn't stick to any region in the world. It's what I think best for the produce at that time. And what what cooking method is nice to complement the ingredient. So it basically is ingredient oriented lah. You see more of this in our private event punya apa, food. Uh, those things, I have a lot of freedom to do being more creative and all that. Like our normal a la carte food, it tends to be influenced by the apa, Western style, Malay style. So it's more familiar with apa, the crowd. Lah. But for specific crowd that they want to enjoy nice food, I will be more creative, more bold with the flavors so they get a better experience. Lah. Like at Galangan, it was great. Everything, the food is like, you have nice flavor and all that. But you can get even more. Uh, that one during our private event. Lah. So it's more like you guys are coming from a place where you use fresh produce to create. And I think Ipoh is also a very strategic location because you have your own like chicken farm. Um, Camera Highlands is close to y'all. And you also happen to have your own garden where you source your own herbs and ingredients for the restaurant. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, the, the garden, any apple, I planted those things because I realized apple, fresh herb costs a lot of money. Like 30 grams is like, Four ringgit, five ringgit. So I was thinking, I actually this thing can grow here, and it takes a bit of experimental. Plus, I like to do experiment one. So if a upper if a plant flop, then I will research the reason, the condition that they require to grow. It takes me a long time lah to get one herb to grow nicely. So the I enjoy the whole process of researching how to grow them properly. Lah. So when I grow them, I can offer like apa, unique flavors to the cafe. Because if you buy herb, you can offer like, maybe you can buy one packet of sage for five chicken and you get only one leaf in one chicken. But if you grow your own sage, you can put like one bunch in one chicken. Then you can really call it sage chicken lah. You can really taste the sage one. If not, why you call it sage chicken if you just taste like chicken, right? Uh, that's, that's the purpose of the herb garden at home. But it's a challenge lah growing things in Ipoh because our weather is not like KL one. KL, if it rains, it rains like, apa? It's, it's a constant rain for many hours, right? Ipoh, when it rains, it's like somebody take a bucket full of water and dump on you. And then that's it, it will dump on the plants and then the plant will flop straight away. <laughs> then it will stop. The rain will stop. Okay, it's okay. quite unpredictable here because we're in the middle of a valley. Okay. Um, we had a call before this recording and you talked a lot about respecting the ingredients. For example, like how restaurants shouldn't be stir-frying everything with oyster sauce and vegetable like bok choy. They take six months to grow. So you want to respect it and um, do it justice. Can you sh- um, share more about that to our listeners? Uh, if, if you, let's say you take a cabbage, right? Normally what people do, they just stir-fry a cabbage and then uh, like the Indian, they stir fry with kunit and curry powder. The Chinese, they just braise with soya sauce. So actually, when you do that, what you want to eat actually? You want to eat the soya sauce or the cabbage? Is, is the cabbage just a placeholder for something? Because you need to remember, a cabbage will take roughly six to eight months to grow under full sun. It takes a very long time and a lot of fertilizer to make those commercial cabbage one. Like if you grow your own, the cabbage will be so small and so cute one. So it's like when you harvest it, you will really appreciate that thing. So 
why why you need to destroy the thing by just praising the uh, life out of it like you you find a way a technique to complement the taste of the cabbage normally what i would do is i will cut the vegetable raw then i will eat it raw just a bit so i know the the taste of it when it's raw then i can use my experience to find suitable techniques for it like some yeah i understand not a lot of people know techniques right but but you really need to start tasting your vegetable raw so then you get to know what would them. you do with a cabbage like let's ha- do an example yeah I, i would grill them you grill them one side on a really hot heat then you will baste them in butter they will turn out really sweet and buttery but you will still have the cabbage taste you still have the crunch and all that so you don't need to put like bold flavor on them you can really taste the cabbage now if you put oyster sauce you just this oyster sauce saja tanda tanda cabbage sudah So rugi lah dia. That's that's what I'm used to. I mean, home cooking for me. That's why I always do just put everything with oyster sauce and garlic, and that's it. So lah, what 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 I find lah, when people cook at home, right? They just cook to eat one. Because eating is part of us, right? Part of a human being. Why don't you take the time to be, apa? More creative in your cooking. Can experiment new stuff. If it doesn't work out, you the one who gonna eat it, not not you presenting to anybody. So nobody rogi one. So uh, by doing this, if you keep doing this with food, you will also improve in other parts of life, because being creative with food is also affecting your creativity in life as well. Because people tend to lose their creativity when they start working. They become like zombies, such as kerja, 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 never think outside the box anymore. But you need to get back to being creative, to be like a child once again, to see things and imagine, oh, what this thing can be. Uh, that's what normally what chef do lah. We we sit and imagine, like we see a piece of beef, right? Oh, this guy can be a really nice skewer, kan? You put some simple flavoring on it, then you can really upper complement the beef taste. Uh, that's why you see most of makasi tak ada banyak cooking involved. They don't change the natural flavor of things. They just pair it with something that match the flavor for five. Uh, that's that's what I wanted to move to lah in the future. I I mean, hearing you speak right now, I I love it because I've been in KL for like a month here. I just moved here, and I just start to meet people and talk to people, and they all talk so fast. And hearing you talk today, slow and steady, you're so passionate. When you talk about the ingredients, you pay so much respect to them. I I want to ask you like, what keeps you going, like in creating, becoming, uh, becoming a chef, like to keep Gangao Cafe going? Like, what keeps you going? What wakes you up in the morning? Uh, me is the curiosity, the the need to learn new things, to develop things. There's a siren. No worries, it's just Ipo and it's ambulance. <laughs> okay. We wait for it to pass. Okay. Okay. Uh, the the need to learn new things, to experiment with things. Even when I'm not cooking, I normally tinker with things. So this what keeps me going, lah. Like currently, right now, uh, during my off day, like today, I build motorcycles just for fun. Not, not, not because I want to ride the motorcycle. Just because I want to know the working of one motorcycle. That's what I've been doing currently, lah. This deserves so, a plan. The need, <laughs> lah. The need to know things. <laughs> yeah, curiosity, curiosity, truly. Uh-huh is key what are some of the challenges starting uh, a cafe in Ipoh or restaurant business uh, challenges of starting a business uh, you don't know anything one. really 
when you go to school, right, they never teach you how to start a business. Even with how... experiences under your belt, like you've worked in hotels uh, before. Yeah, you, you work in hotel, but you don't know how to start your own thing. You work in hotel, everything is there. There's a template for everything, for costing, for purchasing. There's always a template, but you never learn how to do that template. So but when you're in school, nobody teaches you how to do all these things. You just learn like maths, uh, language, and then history, all those things. When, when you try to start a business, it's like you're going to school all over again. You have to go and ask the government about regulation, about what documents they need, and then where to get these documents, how, how to meet people. You know, I learned you, there's a special way of meeting government officials. You cannot just go ask things. You have to be super polite. You have to treat them like kings. You have to be very patient. Ah, it's like everything goes up with their time, not your time. So if, if you say you want to open a shop in one month, just forget it. Lah. For You have to follow them. Maybe you take three months to get that document from them. Uh, you have to up ask them nicely. Or oh, can I get this when it will be ready? So it's it's quite a learning process lah for me to open a cafe. Like even with utilities company as well, it's like oh it's it's a bit of a hassle lah to get them to help you set up this thing, which actually is their job. But it's funny because it's like, like your answer is mostly like non kitchen related because that's what you are familiar with, but. From now, a chef, you have to learn how to be a businessman. And it goes down to this like governmental stuff and utilities. And what is the vision for Galangal? Like, what are you trying to bring to Ipoh? So basically, I'm trying to bring bold, fresh flavors. Like seasonal menus. You don't come and eat the same thing more than twice. So you come to Galangal, you'll be surprised. Oh, we have this. And then you get to taste it. It's like, oh, this is something I never had before. So it it reflects what we have in Ipoh and a place to lepa and chill. So that will be our new new vision of Kalangala coming in the future. And how is the restaurant scene in Ipoh now? Are people more open to spending more on good food compared to 2019 when you first started um, by the roadside and you were charging 18 ringgit per pasta because you spent 10 hours to make this dish. Are people more open now? Uh, yeah, they slowly learn that upper good food costs money. I, I will, when they ask me, like, if they ask me why it's so expensive, I will try to educate them that Oh, I need to pay this, I need to pay my staff. I will, I will tell them I, I want to pay my staff better so they can live an, a good life. Not, not your normal average life. So they, they will get to understand because they're also in a situation where they work minimum wage and work long hours. So they know lah. People are trying to improve the the working condition, but for that working condition to improve, the the price of the bread need to go up a bit lah. We don't charge like super fancy charges that untung like sixty percent like that. We get a bit so that our staff can enjoy a normal good life lah, because in Malaysia. Uh, the workers in we say kedai makan lah is the most underpaid people in Malaysia lah, and then nobody willing to acknowledge that. When can when you, I see, can you expose people, like the price? How much do they get paid per hour or let's say per month? Uh, in kampung kampung lah, normally thirty five ringgit to forty ringgit a per, day. A day, and that that day roughly lasts around. More than eight hours, like wow. twelve hours. So this is the reality in Malaysia. This is what Malaysia that 
apa people don't see the Malaysia that apa need to be brought up in the eyes of the public because not all people want to live in KL and work there if everybody move there KL will have a very huge problem in sustaining its people right now also they're struggling and begging for water because of few policies that want to give free water imagine everybody go work there and so apa we need to support the restaurant uh, it's okay if you have to pay like 18 ringgit for a bowl of noodle or anything it's not like the owner get a lot one most of the cost go to the ingredients go to the workers they actually don't get much and they just enjoy making that for you aja tau but people tends to think oh businessman make a lot of money ambil untung banyak right actually untung banyak tak ada lah inside business you get enough to pay everything lah if you get apa extra then you save for the next round for rainy days you don't get to enjoy luxury lifestyle one in business it's what you love to do then you enter business and and finally chef do you have any advice for chefs who are listening to this podcast who wants to start their own restaurant perhaps sometime in the near future uh my advice is be prepared lah be prepared apa in terms of financial in terms of your mentality don't don't just think that uh i can just cook your skill is not enough even how great your food is how delicious it is but if you're not prepared for what the apa, real life have to offer then you're gonna get through some really hard hard mental drama inside <laughs> your brain one because people will critique your food one like apa, inside inside a restaurant you're safe you're in your comfort zone even though you're being bored with your flavors and everything because if there's a complaint normally the apa, PR will sort it out but if you enter business you have to sort everything out so you have to be more than a chef like you have to be everything one chef really thank you so much for coming today and sharing your story um i love the part especially where you talk about curiosity like you're a chef you're a businessman but on your off days you go and explore and like fix a bite and that's what keeps you going as a person and you just don't tie your identity to your job what you do yeah. but curiosity is who you are and that's just like bleeding throughout all parts of your life um thank you again chef rikri thank you so much you have just listened to foodie canteen this show is produced by me your host castle lim and co-written by sulin chang foodie canteen podcast is made possible by the amazing team at good foodie media check us out on instagram and youtube at foodie canteen for more Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. See you next week.